Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They said he was shifting with the opposite hand. I guess I could do it, but I probably wouldn't be very efficient shifting with the other hand. They said a shifter on the... No. The because shifter, uh, he sits on the other side of the car. Yeah. So he sits oh, on... Oh, that too. Oh. Yeah. So normally he's on the right side and shifting with his left. You know what? Crown him. Greatest <laughs> athlete in the history of sports. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey guys, welcome to Actions Detrimental, episode 21, Chicago deep dish style. Actually, New York style. We <laughs> Man, there were a lot of people upset about. My review of a How New could York you go to Chicago and not eat deep dish because I I had to walk twelve thousand miles that day. I mean, who can do that with eighteen pounds of deep dish pizza in your stomach? Yeah, so. that's how I feel. I've never had deep dish. I feel like I would love deep dish, but it just seems like it's too much of a a gamble to have a slice of deep dish at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. You know, I, I wish we could have done that review again because me and Dave have so many similarities. I too have a bad shoulder, you know, it, it's, you know, it's really hard. I was luckily for me that lady didn't come fat shame me. Um, like she did to him and his review of yeah. Zaza's pizza. Uh, but yeah, that was, um, I thought the pizza was really, really good. Uh, there was five of us. We housed three pizzas. Like it was nothing, uh, basically. And I did slightly Differ than him on the uh, the golden golden medal versus it just had a barely more flavor than the uh, all out cheese. The same with the pepperoni. I thought they were just a little. I mean, the cheese was very good on yep. its own, but I I did think that the pepperoni and the the four cheese or whatever the gold medal slice was just a tad bit better, which is kind of unfortunate because I didn't want to feel that way. Yeah, I mean. I, me and Jared was we were on the same page when we uh, went to Chicago. And first thing I do, you know, I watch about probably every other uh, pizza review from Dave's, and I'm like, well, we're going to a big city. I let me just scope out where what he liked, and then I looked at the the, the people on the one bite app. They they had it super high, yeah. highly rated as well. And that one worked out because you went there and then you walked down the street to the Cubs game afterwards. How was that? That was good. The Cub game was awesome. Um, you know, we, uh, had a little 23, 11 day there where our drivers threw out the pitch. Well, Bubba threw out the pitch, Tyler caught and Kurt was the ump. Uh, so had quite the trio going on there. <laughs> I saw, uh, Kurt walking into the media center. I don't know. I guess it probably was Saturday or something. I was like, hell of a strike three call there. And he's like, yeah, they just wanted me to, to watch. I was like, no, no, no. Bubba, you're pitching. Tyler, you're catching. And I'm umping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People looked at me, uh, when they were, um, singing the, the seventh inning stretch. Um, I mean, everyone's, as soon as he finished, everyone just kind of awkwardly looks at him. It's just like, they suck. I mean, <laughs> they stunk. <laughs> Evidently, Tyler was pretty nervous about it. Uh, but I knew that 
when Kurt got up there, he was going to try to you know quarterback this thing. It, Guys, I got it. I, yeah, yeah, I've done this before. I'm a seasoned pro. Uh, so, yeah, it was cool that they uh, allowed us to do that. Uh, we, we were able to have the Jordan brand car and the McDonald's car on display there outside the racetrack. I uh, saw so many fans taking pictures of it. So that's uh, that's that's mission accomplished for us. Yeah, I'm just disappointed that Bubba threw the ball over the plate. I would have liked to see him throw it in the dugout. Because you throw it in the dugout and yeah. you live on for an eternity. Yeah, legends, you, what's you, it? legends never die. Uh, uh, heroes uh, get remembered, but <laughs> legends never die. <laughs> the Sandlot. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. So Jared, what he's saying there is he wants someone to just throw it so bad that it ends up on Sports Center, and that yep. way he's like, Dude, you're never going to get on TV throwing Easy a Easy social media content. Yeah. Very narrow point of view there, Jared. Uh, how about the racing on the track? Um, man, R11 Yahoo Camry was fast. I was sure for sure this weekend. Uh, got our I, We got our second poll, road course poll of two, 2023. Hit me up that if that was on your 2023 Bingo card. I doubt it was. How many road course polls do you have in your career? Two. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Okay. Uh, been working on it for sure. And we were in the dry just so, so fast. Uh, in the wet, I was a, a barrier machine. Well, I, I got in there once. Uh, but let's start with Xfinity. Um, man, they had a... Well, really, the, the city in general had a very tough go of it this weekend. Many people said that it had not rained in like months there. Uh, it, they were basically in a full-on drought. And then a hurricane hits or something. I mean, was it a hurricane? I mean, it was spinning. It sure as hell looked like it on the on the radar. It was just sp spinning like a pinwheel. Yeah. Well, right? it'd come through Chicago, go out to Lake Michigan, and then come back around. And go out and come back around. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, you know, I got to walk around the streets a little bit. You know, got lunch, got got some breakfast coffee and just everyone i mean just the general public right even people that were not in nascar gear like they were talking about the races that were in town so that was really cool to see uh all the promotion that uh that the city did nascar did around the city uh just was fantastic i thought they did a phenomenal job um unbelievable circumstances that they had thrown at them with the weather. I think this would have been, I mean, even bigger had the weather cooperated. But, yeah, I, I just couldn't believe all the rain that was going on. Xfinity guys, I, how, how many days it, they spent there and, you know, for probably 30 total laps or something between practice and uh, in the race. But, uh, you know, you had uh, – you know, Cole Custer there just kind of leading every lap. And it was about to get interesting because I think fuel was about, about to be part of the story in that race. And then um, they had a lightning strike. I, it, it didn't rain. It didn't rain till much, much later. Yeah. Um, I had, I had heard, I don't know if it's true or not. I had heard that the labor force the Chicago labor force, once the first lightning strike happened, they left. And that's when they were like, we got no help. So they evacuated everyone. I don't know if it was because of the lightning or 
they lost the labor force. But I, I'm not really not sure. Wait, you, the labor force, like like people at the gates and stuff, like security, like I, I like show pros. So. Uh, so I don't they, see. That's what I'm saying. I don't know the answer. They were telling some fans apparently that it was like canceled before it was canceled, and it sounds like Chicago's park rules is long. It's that's, bigger than eight miles, or there, it sounds like it was a little more stringent. So that sounds like there was some miscommunication between NASCAR and Chicago. It sounded like so that would make sense. That that, that makes sense. That, yeah, I did hear the park thing that because it was a park, uh, uh, okay, government and, and park so, or something, and like. and likely then. The people that work in the park yeah. are part of the labor force. Got it. That then said, "Okay, we're good. See you later." <laughs> <laughs> and so once they, that happened, you know, no no concert, no nothing. It it just it all got you know canceled. So that was a huge bummer for everyone. I mean, I, I keep saying Chicago and NASCAR because you know they put a lot of effort into. Um, you know, making this a huge event beyond just the racing itself and got to see none of it. Um, You know, certainly I understand from the fans perspective, the, you know, you've got such huge ticket costs associated with going to that race. And then, you know, you really kind of get really, if you add it up, you had one race, (laughs) you know, we needed the 26 laps from Xfinity to complete the, the cup race mm-hmm. to make it full distance. So it just, it was, it was unfortunate that we didn't have as much activity going on there as what was planned. But I mean, like I mentioned on Twitter, we, we can't control God. Like, you know, that was just a bad break um, from the weather perspective. And uh, I, you know, I got to walk around a little bit. They, they really didn't have a clear path for us to go without being right in the middle of the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, there was about a, you know, football field link stretch where you're kind of just maybe longer than that, where you're just, you're with the, you're with the people. Yeah. Which, between the, if you've been to Chicago between the, the bean there and, uh, the art Institute. Yeah. Well, even, you know, even longer than that. Right. Because we walked from the hotel, but I'm talking about once we got in, showed our hard cart, then there was another place uh, by the haulers where, right. where they were all at. Yep. But it was, I mean, I liked it. You know, I like being amongst in the people, as you know, when I was in, nashville uh we were out one of the places and we had this little vip area i'm like you know i'd had a few um cocktails at that time but i was out in gin pop man i was like (laughs) put me out there with the people uh that's where i want to be i don't want no private area uh and so i like you know being with the fans and just kind of you know seeing what they're doing and um had just such positive vibes from the fans like everyone just was so positive about the weekend um you know even with it just raining 90 percent of the time uh so did you get did you get stopped on the street at all just out and about yeah of course a a lot uh quite a bit i mean by what i would deem non-core fans i mean they didn't seem they didn't seem like core fans because, you know, what the knowledge that they would say or whatever they would say, I was realized that they were very casual. Like they're just hearing that we're here. But, um, but yeah, I, it was, it was, you know, when we, Austin walked me 5,000 miles cause he wanted to keep his Uber rating. Um, if you saw that on my Instagram story, this guy, oh my God, he's so obsessed with his 5.0 Uber rating that he makes us walk half the trip. 
I'm like, well, of course the guy's going to gr- give you a great rating because he just charged you $86 to go a half a mile. And you were like, hey, we're good here. And just <laughs> drops us off. I'm like, Austin, I, I'm a... So I'm a 4.78 rating. Now, it ain't because of tipping. I tip way over the top. But what I realize is I don't tip until my next trip. So I think that... You get out of the car, you put the phone in your pocket, and you move on with it. I didn't know that I'm supposed to close out. Yeah. I didn't know that. So every time I go to my next trip, I click and it's like, you know, James rate james and do you want to tip him i'm like wait a minute that was a month ago yeah <laughs> james is saying this is f- green yeah pay me whatsoever. i don't think that's the reason because i just checked i have a 4.98 and i never tip until the next time too i'm i'm guessing it's like maybe friends are the reason that bring your rating down well, that's what i was about to say about austin he's got the wrong friends i'm very respectful in the ubers now there was this one time this one time that this i got a dear picked a out a weeks ago Huh? This was a Dear Denny a couple weeks ago. I forgot to to add it to the list, but someone wanted to know this story. I, the one I think you're about to bring up. He said my mask was not covering my nose. He said my mask was not. I, as a matter of fact, took a, I didn't move. And I was like, what did you say? And he's like, you know, and he pointed and then just stopped the car in the middle of nowhere, Miami. Not not in the city. I mean, yeah. we're in the burbs. And just, just like, you, you got to get out. I'm like, what? And I stopped and I grabbed my phone really slowly and took a selfie of me. And it's just on the crown of my nose, my mask at the time. And this is obviously during COVID. Her kicked me out. This was the one you tweeted about, right? Oh, and I just went off. I mean, beyond that, he was ru- like the rudest guy ever. And I, I am not, I am not a rude person when it comes to interacting with people of service for sure, because I know that their job is like so tough. It doesn't matter, waiter, waitress, Uber driver. I am one hundred percent polite one hundred percent of the time, and so. My point of this being is Austin's ass made me walk. I mean, I had to walk six, eight miles for no apparent reason because he was like, I, I think walking will be faster. Like, because we stop at a stoplight. I'm like, Austin, he, he had me convinced. First of all, we leave the Cubs game and, you know, there's a lot of closed streets around. So he's yeah. like, we're going to meet the mover, meet the Uber up here. First of all, he... He cheaps out on the Uber. That that strike one, strike one. It gets the baseline Uber. <laughs> it's just, it's just not as clean as it probably could be. And then he's like, "It's it's right up here." It's he says that's his thing. It's right up here, okay. And I'm following him, and it's me and Rod, and he can. We walk a block, we walk another block, and he can see I'm starting to get pissed. I'm like. Where, the f- where are we meeting this Uber? Like, let's get in a car and go to the hotel. And so then he starts walking faster to separate himself from me. And finally, like four or five blocks later, we get to the Uber. I mean, there was plenty of access for this Uber to come to us. This Uber was parked. He ref- He's like, no, guy, don't worry about coming to us. We'll come to you. Like, I mean, 
we'll come to you. He has he has a fucking car. And so we get in his car. We then travel. It, it's probably from Wrigleyville, wherever we were. We were probably in a different city by that point that we got in the car. But to the hotel probably was, let's just call it four miles. Okay. We traveled, I mean, maybe two, maybe two. And we hit consecutive stoplights in the city. And he's like, oh, we're, we're, we're really close to the hotel. Hey, buddy, we're good here. Oh, you see, you got dropped off early too. Yes. <laughs> see, that part didn't make the story, the Instagram story. I was so on fire by that point that I just couldn't see straight. And so he's, and, and, and I didn't look at a map. I just trusted what Austin was saying here. He's like, yeah, we're right up there. You don't need to make this turn. Like yeah. we're, we're turning to go right. So I look and, he, and I'm like, this doesn't look near the park. And so we get out and I mean, two miles later, we get to the hotel. It's because we hit consecutive stoplights and Austin was just like, uh, we're, let's get out of here. We're good. So that was strike three for Austin. I, strike two was, you know, not making the guy come to us. Um, man, tough, tough day of travel. As long as he still got us 5.0. That's all that matters. <laughs> but what his obsession is with 5. his 5.0 rating I, I'm I'm really not sure. I mean, I've watched him like uh, uh, after a trip that was probably not a 5.0 trip. Oh, tell the driver, hey, 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 just we'll make this all right. Just all right. Just don't. We're gonna tell the point. we're gonna tell the story really, really quick. Let me check the time. We we got a hustle. I got a I got a team meeting. By the way, I woke up uh, well, on Central time. time today. Poor Travis and, and Jared were down here uh, for an hour and 15 minutes because because uh, I didn't get up on time. I just woke up, people. So if I'm sideways, this is this is why. Okay, to wrap up the Uber thing, Austin is so obsessed with his Uber rating. He had a, uh, a, a, a very intoxicated friend in Phoenix, and he allowed that person, he told that person to stay at our house instead of sending him in an Uber back to his house because he was afraid that the guy would mess up his Uber rating. Correct. Do you believe it, Travis? I believe it, but that's, I mean... That's... Obs- yeah, that's too much. Like Too much. You can have 4.7, 4.2. Like, as long as you're not in the threes, you're fine. He he told him, hey, come... St- I'm, you stay with us. Because he did not trust this intoxicated guy under his name in an uber yep it's actually a fun game to try and, and make him lose the 5.0 i think i think that, that should be our goal let's let's by the end of the year bring it to a 499 <laughs> yes yes we just have to be we uh, unfortunately just total you know i have an idea we'll talk about it off air because i'll probably hear this all right all right so back, back to racing yeah sorry the Xfinity race was cut short. Um, I don't know how I feel about it, but I don't know what other choice they had. Um, Bob Pockers, uh tweeted, you know, except in rare instances. I mean, that is such a lawyer line. <laughs> and like it, NASCAR pretty much covers themselves with a sentence at a, at a, after each rule that 
allows them to kind of just do whatever, right? Um, I get it. I was, I think that had we pushed our Sunday race back to Monday, they could have concluded the whole thing. But I also saw that, like Jeremy Clements mentioned, that you know, extra night of hotels is another fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred dollars to his team, and they just can't keep you know right. staying over. So it's a very tough circumstance. Um, you know, the whole lightning thing just came about five minutes too early, but it just got them off the racetrack and they never saw the racetrack again. Um, they, they tried, uh, I, I, they, they got them buckled in <laughs> and then it was just torrential downpour. And I think that they, I, they were trying, I mean, if they had, they probably were hoping to run two pace laps and then call it good. I mean, if you were going to do that, I wish that you're, you're transparent to your competitors about that. That's why I mentioned or said what I did in the tweet before we actually did get started when it was downpour rain. I mean, there was a foot of water on the racetrack and they're saying, be ready. Everything's on time. Like we're in driver intros and it's just a monsoon. I mean, it's terrible. And then they're like, still on time. We're like, what? Stop. Don't do this. Like this is, this is not the right decision. Like it is totally unsafe for us to be out there in these conditions so that's when i sent that tweet out is like don't do it and they didn't do it right they said it's hold but you know i wish they were transparent saying hey guys we will not go until the track is ready to go yeah but i don't think they were confident probably in saying that because i think they were trying to get that thing in at all costs but the reason that they we're trying to get it in at all cost is because of an instance like what happened. And that is we went back to the driver lounge to go do an interview. And I saw the weather. I was like, well, it's going to stop raining in 20 minutes, but surely this there's going to be standing water all over the racetrack and yeah. we're just not going to be able to do it. And at the time it was like uh four 45 central time. And so it stopped probably around 4.50, 4.55. And I look and I'm about to do my interview and they're saying, drivers to your cars at 5.15. I'm like, these guys, here they go again. I mean, they're just relentless in their... Optimism. I, I don't know if it's optimism or just trying to get the people to stay on the TV a little bit longer before they call it. Everyone in the driver's lounge had, had heard that they were going to call it, which I think had this gone 30 more minutes, no question. I mean, you would have, I think it was no question, but who knows, you know, who's the actual decision maker on it. Obviously we didn't have enough time to get in the whole race as it was. They, you know, they've stated in the past, we will never start a race that we don't think we can get the entirety in. Given the time we started, had it gone green? Yes, we, we would have got the whole thing in. Is that realistic? Absolutely not. Um, but we got in three quarters of it. So I walk out there at five ten to go get in the car. And I looked at the racetrack thinking, you know, so I, we were inside doing an interview, come out. I got to be in my car in five minutes to go racing. And I look at the streets and I'm like, damn, it's, it's, all, it's just wet. Those nine inches of water on pit road were just gone. It was all gone. 
The drainage was unbelievable. But what was crazy is when it was raining, the drainage seemed bad, right? Like, I guess it was just so overwhelmed with all the city water going into one place and it was just filling up. Well, they were also taking a knife to signage and cutting where there were like holes in the, the wall where the sign was like blocking it. Literally walking around cutting holes at the bottom. So that probably yeah. helped release a lot of the water. And I heard they had uh, like the forklift picking up barriers as well to let let it flow out. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I said in a post-race interview last night, I was like, damn. I mean, I, I could not believe that the track was as ra- it was ready to race. Yep. When we went racing, it was ready to race. And we didn't race a minute sooner than when it was ready. Uh, turn 11, yes. It was it was an issue. <laughs> Obviously, I I ran two inches. Uh, let's, let's, that was an exaggeration. Six inches right of Alex Bowman because I couldn't. I can't see that well um, when you're packed in behind somebody. So you're trying to see where the corner is. And I hit hit the water. Bam! Send him in. So it was like, and and it looked pretty pretty common that like. There was a river that's running across. So if you're not right in the tire tracks of the car in front of you, you're running in the water and it just skips your car. I mean, anybody's hydroplaned on a street car. Not, probably not a lot of people's hydroplane, but it just skips right across. And so um, that stunk. I, I didn't see. How did this car catch on fire from that? Travis? Does anybody know? I It didn't make sense. He, no, I think he when I spun him out, that. when I spun him out, he had an he, oil issue. Yeah, after you spun him out, he did get turned back around. I I know, but he never recovered from the spin. Like I thought this the spin was that did he had a DNF because of the spin, or was it a I, totally unrelated? I think it was totally unrelated. I think it was unrelated. I'll double yeah. check, but I know he had some sort of oil issue, and they were trying to like basically like hack their way around whatever they were dealing with. I'll double check. Interesting. Well, I ho- I the hope- tire barriers did a heck of a job of keeping these cars in one piece. Or the are cars- you kidding me? There, there was no damage to the cars. I mean, Kyle Busch slid I- forty yards, probably longer than forty yards. Yeah, into the tire barrier, crushed it, <laughs> and gets back out. And on lap seventy, he's in third place or whatever. Yeah, thanks NASCAR for that. Hey, that worked out well. We'll get to that part. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was crazy how much the tires compressing like that doesn't, but this, but it's not new. Cause you saw the same thing with Chase Elliott at the Roval a few years ago. And that was with the old car. Mm-hmm. So that was before these cars were so crazy sturdy. So yeah, there was, um, there was one part of the racetrack that I thought was marginal best. That was turn 11. I think that's turn 11. I kept saying over the radio, can we get them while the cautions are going on to just put a ton of sand or or stay dry up against the wall where it's leaking out to let it just soak in there to let us dry or do some work on the other side of the barrier to keep it, you know, whatever it is, like reroute it somewhere. Yeah. Um, But they had their hands full with so much going on. But to, to, to get back to my point, it was unbelievable to see that there was no standing water on that racetrack anywhere but that one spot. Um, it, like you said, we walked out. There was a river 
tires running away on pit road. And 25 minutes later, nothing. Yep. There was nothing. It was just wet. Walking back to the media center, so about 4.50, I had to do a long jump over some water to get into the media center. And then when I walked back out 15 minutes later for drivers to their cars, that puddle was gone. <laughs> so Yeah, it was, it was nuts. So, so Bowman said, uh, quote, it's in f***ing oil protection mode. So we had some issues with that. Because then Jordan Bianchi then says, also doesn't have oil pressure. Okay. So then it, did, they, it looks like they did have to call, call on fire a little bit. Okay, so what likely happened there, it was related because when he spun around, it probably rolled backwards. The engine probably spun in reverse, and then it went into right. some sort of mode. The, the ECU put the engine in some sort of mode where oil wasn't running through it or something. I'm not an engine guy, but that, if you do, sp I mean... He couldn't have rolled backwards five feet. Like yeah. it, it wasn't much. So, but I have seen where engines will spin backwards when you're shutting them off to save fuel. Um, they'll all of a sudden it'll it'll black smoke will run out and it'll just the engine will actually spin backwards and it will cause it could cause damage to the engine. So, I I don't know if they're related or not. Certainly. Uh, I felt bad about it, but it's holy. I, I looked and his car was on fire, and I'm like, wait a minute, how'd that happen? I mean, or, what might not have been on fire, but they had fire extinguishers. Uh, no, it was on fire. Oh, it Co was. Confirming that now. Yeah. All right. Um, so to start the race, we're wanting to start. The, um, I, had, I was talking to SVG before the race started, and I was like, you know, what? And it's pouring during the intros, I says, are, are you ready for this? He's like, we would never race in this. He's like, this, this I, I don't have it. He says, I don't have any experience in, in the these conditions. Like, you know, we, we run in the wet, but we have rain tires. He's like, you guys have these tires that's got blocks on them and it doesn't push out water. It's just kind of, you know, it's, he's like, these tires are a lot different. So I don't know what I'm in for. I of course didn't know what I was in for. I, I this was the blind leading the blind. I first of all, I, I just have found speed in the dry on road courses. I have no idea what I'm doing in the wet, which was super apparent on lap three. Um, I tried to look at anything I could to get me some sort of gauge of how far to go. I didn't know how far to go. I thought I got a good enough launch off of turn one, or. I guess the last turn coming to the restart, you know, to, to the start to get a jump on Tyler. And then he just, I mean, the balls he had to drive in 600 feet deeper and just pass me on the outside on the first corner. Uh, he's clearly was more comfortable than what, than what I was. Uh, but yeah, I, I was held, holding my own and then just, uh, I went into turn two there and just was barely wide. And I just kind of, just really slowly slid and then got in the barriers. That was fine. I was like ready to go, but my car stalled and I couldn't get it refired. So I'm sitting here trying to get the thing refired. Luckily, we were out there so far that I only went back to about 11th or 12th. Yeah. Something like that. And then uh, then I started to get my rhythm back uh, and, and almost passed AJ in the wet and a couple others and uh, felt pretty good about it. 
and then the track started semi drying up and that's when I I think I got a little slower once the track you know I wasn't fully confident like some guys in some places to be ready to get after it so at that point I'm just trying to hold my position thinking let's get this thing to the dry and then I'll go after it um, unfortunately it didn't go fully dry until so late in the day that um, I mean we made a ton of passes at the end of the race legit passes um, but but yeah, it was, uh, I think we restarted 26 or something like that, maybe further back than that, and, and got back to 11th. There was some attrition. Y'all saw the big pile up in turn 11. Uh, I'm surprised that didn't happen sooner. Yeah, that was the only time. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a log jam. Was that the most challenging section of the track? Yes. Oh, no question. Because you skip through water, and you're trying to figure out how much grip you have. Now, everybody's on slicks at this point at the end of the race. So it's super slick. And then because your tires are wet, it's wet on the exit, the corner exit as well, because we're, we're essentially just sliding a mop across the, the surface. Mm -hmm. So it was slick on entry. There's paint right in the middle of the corner. So it, your tires, while in the dry, you want to hit as much paint as you can. In the wet, you don't want to hit any paint. No, not at all. Super slick. And so your fronts just chatter, slide right across it. And then your back end's got water on the back tires. You try to accelerate and then you're sideways. So, so, so not, not to go off on a, on a, on a tangent here, but so are you looking for like the turn lanes and stuff on a dry track and the qualifying stuff? Are you looking to run in the turn lanes? Um, no, you're not going to go off track. Cause they have the most paint, right? Well, of not all paint is created equal. That's for sure. Okay. Um, but no, you're not going to... I Likely, if it has to put you offline, you're not going to go search it out. It's it. not not that big of a deal. Um, but but yeah, I think that... Uh, where was where were we at here? Oh, so turn 11, the pileup. What was interesting with that is that the guys that were spun around backwards because they started the wreck didn't lose any positions. Because it, it log jammed the field up. Now, there was, if you look, I was watching, there was like six cars that got by on the inside that yeah. was like, ding, ding, lottery. It was SVG, Ty Gibbs, basically the, the entire group that had just pitted after NASCAR made that decision, which we'll go back to, that made it through. And then everyone else behind was... Was stopped because Kyle Bush, <laughs> smart on his part, he, yeah, I think he had the track blocked. Well, he had the track open because you could drive right through the on the right side of him, mm -hmm. and he was instead of watching all these people go by, he just said, "Screw you guys, I'm blocking the track so no one else is passing me." You know, instead of him losing all these spots and having to go to the back, so. It just worked out. I think it was Kyle. Maybe it was Harvick. Maybe it was Harvick. I'm not sure who it was, but whoever it was, they were letting cars by, and then all of a sudden they said, well, enough of that, and they stopped, and they went ahead and blocked the whole track. So, um, And then when we looked, we were like, NASCAR put them back where they were, and it just was weird to us. You know, Unfortunately, I know they got their hands full because the whole field is now trying to 
cheat spots under caution saying, oh, I'm up here. No, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm in front of this guy. They did the best they could, uh, but it was a tough situation for them to try to score who, who should have been where. In that instance, we probably need to, if you spin, I don't know. You can't make up the rules as you go, but like it's, well, you can apparently. Uh, you probably need to go get a 10-place penalty. I, I don't know. Something. We're not going to have this problem anywhere else. It's just, it was so tight the, ra- the way it worked out. Um, it was just bad luck for all the all the guys that didn't get to pick up free spots there. Yeah. I'm the just back. surprised it only happened once because that was going into this year. Like if someone... Rex or this yeah the whole back incident, of the the whole back of the track back. was a place where if there was an incident it was out okay it's turn six because you had talked about turn that. seven turn seven is one where I couldn't believe there wasn't a pile up there for sure but it seemed like everyone respected turn seven enough to not f- with it like they just there's a few passes made in there I made a couple on the inside but and there was a couple other guys I saw diving in there but you just that was a corner that was going to be pile up easily piled up probably as easy as turn 11 was, but no one, no one did. Yeah. That was one of those things you talked about beforehand, right? Is that your your crew chief either said, Hey, we want to be leading this race or at the back so we can not be in these pileups. Yeah. He, he told me before the weekend started, be first or last. And, uh, so I, I got the first part done on the first day, but once we got in the middle of the pack there, that was tough. I mean, we had a tough pit stop, first of all. Well, before the pit stop, okay? NASCAR comes on the radio, and we were going to pit probably, I don't know. We, You know, we, did we think the race was going to be shortened? Yes. Probably, a, probably, did you think likely. It, yeah. Just because of the time constraints, right? But. Did we think it was going to be lap 75? No. You know, given the date, like the sunsets there at 830, um, I think what time did the race actually end? I probably was like 820, somewhere in that range. So you had 10 more minutes. Let's just call that six, eight more laps or so. Now, again, if it's green, if it's green, that's a big if. But they made a call that really changed the outcome of the race. I mean, it changed in their mind. It changed nothing because SVG won, and he was on that strategy that of everyone that got screwed when, when they made that call. But again, that's one person, you know, there was many that never made it back to where they were supposed to be. And you flip flop the field from the back guys to the front guys. So it just, you just, you crisscross the field. And so, what do you do about that? You know, they knew that we weren't going to get the full event in. Steve O'Donnell says, well, we tried to give them as much time as we could. There, there's two things that you can do. One is you don't say anything. You make it. You make the people wonder when you're going to end the race. Yep. And didn't just come over the radio and say, hey, in 10 laps, this is it. You could do that. Because then we don't know. Then it's on us to make the strategy accordingly because mm-hmm. of daylight we see that happen at, at other races right we got rain coming here we've we're halfway do we stay out at a super speedway right. do you pit so you either have to leave people wondering or you have to make the call so early in the day early before the last fuel run so they made the call after 
nine cars or so, how many cars was it? Eleven pitted. Eleven cars pitted, and then they said, "Okay, the race is ending on this lap." Those eleven cars just hit the lottery because it, it they they weren't planning on it ending on seventy five. They were just pitting because they're at the fucking tail end of the field running like dog and they just hey we're just gonna keep fuel in the car and you know make some adjustments here so all the cars that were in the back just all of a sudden got a one-way ticket to the front of the field because when nascar says hey it's gonna end on this lap and it was within our fuel window we have to pit we had to so the entire 22 cars um especially the guys that worked their way up front got screwed by it uh, because you made the call that that was inside a fuel window that people already pitted. So you either have to do it totally out of fuel window. I'm talking about you got to go on lap 25 and say, guys, hey, it's looking, you know, it, lap 75 is our time. Then what we do, we would, we would pitch just like they would have. Right. You know, change your whole strategy. It changes the whole strategy. Um, I mean, I get it. It's super tough spot to be in. And on the fly, are you thinking of this stuff? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, did they consider that 11 cars just pitted when they were going to make this decision? You would hope not. You would hope that they. it was just an oversight. But certainly it flipped the whole field from back to front, um, which was not ideal after all the work that the teams put in to earn their track position up front. And then, you you know, you do give it to I mean, it was given to someone else. That part is super hard to swallow for sure. Could you have before the race started, could you have mathematically mapped out mm, this is where we're going to be at eight o'clock most likely? We're not going to get this whole race in. Let's just call it here at seven. Yeah, I mean, it's super hard to predict the cautions. Um, but you surely you knew that you weren't going to get all 100. Yeah, so I, I saw that 30 laps took an hour and 30 minutes. And when they made the call, I think there was two hours of daylight left. Does that make any sense? No. I think no, it's not 40. We start at 5.30, 7. There's about an, probably an hour left. Okay. And 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just a tough... Again, you ha I think you have to wait till the very end and just say, caution for darkness. At 8.19 Eastern, they announced it was going to be 75 laps. 7.19. So, yeah, about an hour so left. So, it ended one hour after they said, given the lap number. Again, we, we could, I mean, just saying, we could have run some more green flag laps. But at the time, they're just trying to give us, as soon as they can, a number that they feel comfortable with. But I think that, unfortunately, when road course racing is 80% strategy, you, you, you can't do it inside of a fuel window. It has to be all the way outside of everyone's fuel window or... You know, which means 35 laps. You you can't call it within 35 laps of the end of the race, which they did. It was right at 30 some laps. Um, or you have to wait till the very end and just say, up, oh, caution, too dark, checker flag. That's it. That's that's the only way you can do it. 
Um, again, if they could redo it, would they? I would hope that they would say yes. I would hope so. Um, but running water in turn 11 and, and the strategy call the end of the race, those are the only two negatives that we can take out, out of this of the weekend. Whole, uh, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I, I a think lot of unforeseen circumstances. I mean, it's just they have got such a tough job and the tough position they were put in. Man, I just I couldn't believe how many people were there. I, it just I mean, I, it's pouring rain. There's absolutely not a soul there for our intros. I mean, 100 people I felt like were maybe there. And then all of a sudden we walk out for uh, to get in our cars. It's like, oh, it's filling up here. We're starting to file in. And at the end of the race, I get out of the car and the stands are full. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, just people were committed, definitely committed to, to going. And, and that just tells you the enthusiasm that that, that whole place is. Yeah, it was very about. cool to see even people that didn't have tickets standing on top of uh, the, the subway entrance or the train entrance yeah, you, to, you to try to get that. a glimpse of the track. Yeah, so so they were on like Michigan, on yep on Michigan Ave. I guess it's a subway. Uh -huh. They have subway there. Th I don't know. They go down underground. Yeah, and you know they've got this top on 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 the building. So they were standing so on that, standing on top. There's people all on top of this yeah. to try to see over the barricade to get a glimpse of the cars. Wow, that's really cool. I mean, that's that's what we want, right? Um, I think you know making it a little bit more affordable would would be good. A good change for next year. I know that it was super expensive, and and um, you know we were trying something different there with the big hospitality on the front stretch. Um, but yeah, I mean this is we're, we're trying something new, and I thought it was a huge success. I I really look forward to the opportunity to come back next year. Uh, I thought the mayor uh, was very funny during our uh, drivers meeting. Um, you know he he seemed like a a, a good guy um, from what I know. You know just listen to the guy talk for 10 seconds. Uh, but it seemed like they were excited to, to have us there. They really were. Um, and uh, definitely hope that we were able to keep this going for the next two years. But uh, let's talk about um, the winner. Yeah, Shane. So he wins the race. SVG wins the race. Uh, he was dominant all weekend. Great in practice. Good in qualifying. And then can you say his name? Shane Van. So I thought all weekend, I thought it was Shane Van Ginsburg, which is not it. Shane Van Ginsenberger or something burger. Um, yeah. So I. Ginsenberger? Ginsenberger? Well, we, I feel like we should know, be able to say it properly. Can you, can, can you help us out there, Travis? Because I don't want to. Because I, I thought the Gisbergen. same thing you did. Gisbergen. 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 Shane Van Gisbergen. Okay. I swear I've heard like so many different pronunciations. Well, I was walking out with him uh, after qualifying and, you know, he was saying congrats and nice lap and whatnot. I was just, I said to him, you know, big fan. I've never talked to him before. I've probably seen, I don't know, 50 total laps of V8 supercar racing. But most of the highlights are around this guy and how good he is. And, um, it's, it's cool to see, uh, Martin Truex crew chief, you know, all the Aussie crew members, like I knew it. I knew he would come over here and do well. Um, does an interesting question that got posed to me, do you think 
you know, after Chase Elliott comments, Kyle Larson comments about, hey, he's going to go back and tell everyone how bad we suck. Does it taint it for you at all, guys, that a guy came in here one time and won? Not at all. I've been waiting for this moment. I've wanted to see one of these guys, these one-off guys, come over, be in a good car, and compete. And, and when, just because I wanted to see what would they do when they actually won the race. So for me, I think it's I think it's neat. I think it's good for the sport. I think you want other drivers like this to come over and be competitive, and especially on on a track like this, the <laughs> playing field is so level, right? You guys have never been here, you've never run a street course. You had a couple hours in the sim, or however many hours, um, and this guy comes over, and this car is is very similar to what he drives on a regular basis, and the track is. Is is just I don't know. It's just an even playing field for everybody. I don't think it should take anything away from the from the cup drivers. That's what I. If it was a road course or an oval, then I I would be a little embarrassed. But a street course, I don't think you guys were, could be as aggressive as if it was a road course where he would have had to deal with the bumping that Jensen Button has discussed about and you know past races. I don't even think it's that because if if you have a problem with it, like if he was to come over here and win Sonoma or Watkins Glen or something, that's saying that that your responsibility as a cup series driver is to be the best at every uh, different type of motorsport, right? Road racing, ovals, dirt racing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. I'm trying to think and create an analogy because the, what the people could think is that, well, you just had somebody that we had never heard of from another country come play in the NBA and beat LeBron James and whatever. Isn't it kind of... And what I say is, no, no, no. They're playing... Their ball is square. Like, it's a square hoop. You know, it's a square hoop. And it's, the, everything is different. Like, we're, we're, we came to his world more than he came to our world. Does that make any sense? Like we 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 were racing in his environment more than he was racing in our environment. Does that make any sense? Because street racing is a, a lot of what they do. Street racing, racing around these barriers, blind corners. The cars are similar. I'm I'm saying that again. If it was on he an was oval, more this would have been right. The single most incredible accomplishment i mean it, it was the 60 some years it had been since someone won in their first start what he did this weekend was unbelievable it really was i i just i was in awe of this guy's talent i mean and if you looked at where he was fast on the racetrack it was where all the walls were where all the track the tighter the track was the faster he was versus the field but, but this is go ahead but no but what i'm saying is that Again, it wasn't road courses that we had all run before. So we had never run it before. He had never run it before. And I'm just saying that the street race in general is what he does. Right. We have not done it. So while it's while it may seem that he just comes into our series and wins, again, we we came to his world in my opinion, more than he came to ours. Right. But also, I feel like this is something that this NASCAR has been 
has been wanting to see or has been trying to get right. You go to Bristol Dirt and you have Jonathan Davenport and all these guys uh, who are dirt racers running just a dirt race. And the media attention is around, oh, this guy's an experienced dirt racer, blah, 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 blah. They were trying. We want to see them succeed. Yeah, but here's the difference is the dirt cars that they're running are so different than what we I understand. But the narrative is still the same. This guy runs dirt. He's going to be good here. That's kind of the narrative that is pushed around these races. I agree that that's the narrative, but that's not it's not fact because they're they're coming into a car that is way different. Right. What I'm what we're saying is that the cars are they're not the same. They're not the same, but they are similar enough to where, you know, well, I, I, I'm thinking about this on the fly, right? And I'm thinking the counterpoint in my, on the other side of my shoulder and it's saying, they said he was shifting with the opposite hand. And so that to me, it blows my mind that, I mean, I, I guess I could do it, but I probably wouldn't be very efficient shifting with the other hand they said a shifter on the no the because uh, he sits on the other side of the car yeah so he sits oh, on sh- that too oh yeah so normally he's on the right side and shifting with his left and now he's on the left shifting with his right oh, this guy's just like the baseball player tawny <laughs> <laughs> he just does it both ways but here's the thing just because he's unknown i don't you can't that just means that us, us in America aren't paying attention we to other. We know about him. Yeah, like well, I'm saying, fans, yeah. fans not knowing about him. That that's our fault. Not that shouldn't be held against the you guys, you as drivers. You know. I mean, we knew he was really good, but ho- this is just blowing my mind as we're talking about it. He's on the wrong side. He's on was the other side of the car. All on the broadcast, they're all talking about him using the clutch and all. Yeah. That. So when he's racing yeah. in his yeah. supercar, it's it's backwards. And also, I think he talked about the shifting as how he does with the feet too. He, they were getting into it a pre-race with his uh, interview that he did. But yeah, everything's you know what? And cause then he also talked about, you know what? Crown him greatest <laughs> athlete in the history of sports. I mean, he's on the, he went from one side of the car to the other. I, I did that when I went to Japan for Toyota and I ran out like a GT three car. It took me forever to get comfortable driving from the other side of the car like just it's just different it, it's just way different holy cow yeah i mean it's again you, you, we're trying to make a point one way or another here and it's everywhere you turn it's it's pretty amazing what he did but big picture how do you feel about him coming over here and winning a cup race like a driver that's I, not I, a, cup, a full-time cup series driver. well that's winning. what the debate that's what i'm asking you is I don't have an issue to the debate of does it tarnish cup drivers as star racers or is it just good for the sport? Which one's bigger? I don't think it tarnishes cup drivers. Okay, good. I also think it's good for the sport. Think about all the fans in Australia, New Zealand that were tuning in. You're trying to get a fan base in Chicago to come to it. You now have two countries that were tuning into a race because of one driver. Mm Mm-hmm. And hopefully, and they probably were entertained. It was a great race. And it ended at, I think, like, it started at, like, 1 p.m. their time. Like, so they were up and watching it. But now playing devil's advocate, my personal opinion is that I do not think it tarnishes your your abilities. That's that's the good scenario. However, 
if I'm a, a random V8 supercar fan from New Zealand and this guy came over here, like if one of our like <laughs> yeah, LeBron I know, James I know where you're going. played basketball or something, yeah, and just demolished the competition in you know a Premier League in another country, we'd be saying, wow, that that league stinks. That our guy went over there and crushed them. This is just a product of, of NASCAR branching out more, right? Historically, NASCAR is oval racing. It is, and yeah. As the years go on, you're branching out into other uh, disciplines. Yep. And this is going to happen. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is a part-time car. Uh, Justin Marks says they don't have any plans for Project 91 to run um, uh, any more races thus far. Uh, the next road course race, we have our own ringer coming in. Um Kamui, um, that we're going to run them in the 67 car for, uh, 2311 at, uh, the Indy road course. Uh, he was there, uh, all weekend kind of shadowing our team and checking things out. So I'm sure now he's got to be super like <laughs> confident. But again, the, this was such a special occasion because the race craft at the Indy road course is going to be totally different. You are correct, sir. Than this track. You are correct. Kamui is going to have to deal with turn one and two and three at the Indy yeah. Road Course and navigating that, similar to Coda. All right, so you bring that up. We need to talk about that just briefly. Um, man, I'm late. I got stuff to do. The, the change in the restarts to single file and then starting us with a turn involved. But not a high-speed corner. Can we just say that that was a win? Yeah, it was. Like, we didn't have nearly the storm in a turn one that we had had in the past. I think that half of it was because of single file. The other half was because we we started around the bend in turn 12. So, I think hats off to NASCAR and the drivers working together there to come up with a restart zone that was different to try to help our product. Um I hope the fans were pleased with what they saw there. We had still great restarts, guys making passes, but you just didn't have Calamity Corner in turn one. So great change, in my opinion, um, with the restarts. And, and NASCAR making the decision to go single file, that just made things even better. You probably would have still had some issues in a turn one had we not gone single file. Um, just simply because there just wasn't it was hardly two dry lanes entering turn one. Yeah. Uh, so good change there. Hopefully we see that at Indy. We hopefully can make a change at Indy as well to not to get rid of that turn one debacle that we've got. Um, what else we got? I mean, so to put a wrap on it, you know, him winning I think is 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 a good thing. I just hope that it doesn't tarnish our drivers. You know, I you hope know. not. I don't think it should. Yeah, I, I don't think it should either, just because, I mean, I think it just makes what he did feel incredible. The more we talked about yeah. it, the more we discussed how different, you know, I'm thinking, well, the cars are similar. And then you say, well, he's on the other side of the car and he's shifting with the other hand. Like, and by the way, he's using the clutch. We don't use, you know, it just, the technique, everything he did was just absolutely amazing. Um a great weekend for our sport, I think. Um, just, it's crazy because we, we we draw the bad straw sometimes. Every time we come in town, it's 
freezing cold, steaming hot, or raining. Like we never, we don't get great weather that often. Uh, but we made the best of it. NASCAR made the best of it and uh, had a great weekend. Yeah, it's great for Justin Marks and Trackhouse. Um, Darian Grubb wins. Uh, one of my old crew chiefs. He was he was at Hendrick for a long time. Uh, great to see him in victory lane and uh yeah that team they it's just super happy for them they uh they look like they had a great celebration afterwards and if you can't win isn't this the best outcome for you denny a driver that's not eligible for the playoffs to win yeah well second best outcome would have been like tyler reddick or bubba but third best outcome yeah minus 2311 yeah uh they, they gotta figure out how to keep it out of the walls as well um but yeah, it is because it's it's a non-factor when it comes to the to the playoffs for us. So I, I would have loved to got. I mean, starting on the pole, had that thing gone dry, I I it's hard. I felt so confident in winning that race if it was full dry, starting on the pole. I just so fast that I'm now looking forward to Indy Road Course. I'm excited about it. So that's something. I know, and that's something. Now we're still Clip on the wrong driver. track. We should still be on the oval. By the way, this just says hey. We need to get rid of the Roval now. There's no sense for us running the Roval. I think we should just abort right here mid-season. Say, there's no sense in it. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. Dear Danny, we need answers and we need them fast. We tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Now we're calling on you. Where would you like to see the next street course? Because there is going to be a next street course that could replace the We can't help ourselves, can we? Like, it's... Rod's on the plane saying the same thing. Oh, you should go to New York now. I'm like, Rod, you are such a dreamer. Like, they're going to shut down New York. I mean, dude, this... This yep, we're going through Central Park. <laughs> Give me a break. That'd be amazing. It would never happen. But this is such a... It seems like... I don't know what's involved in, in, in getting a street course set up. But the fact that you can take this blueprint now and apply it to just about any city where you want to introduce your sport to that market, it seems like a, a no-brainer. Like you need, you need a Los Angeles it, race, right? You don't want to put your yeah. or put a racetrack in the Coliseum anymore. I and know that's, that's what people race. were gonna say, but you don't people you, that costs a lot of money to do that. I don't know what figures are marketing's real. expensive. I agree with you. I, I I'm I'm full agreeing with you. But what I'm saying is, let's not get caught up in. Oh, now we gotta we gotta have a three street races a year. It's not who we are. Okay, I think it's great for growing our sport, without a doubt. But careful from leaving your identity. I I agree, but the Roval's also not who you are. No, again, that's it's irrelevant. That track, we should not be on the. So if you have should not be running through the infield of Charlotte Motor Speedway. If you have a bucket of five races, six races, the road course races. You're going to do Sonoma. You're going to do Watkins Glen. Uh, you're going to do the Chicago Street Course again. And you got two more, right? Why not take... Why two more? I don't know. One more. Okay. You just have this this number of road course races. If a road course you're already running, 
for example, the Roval or maybe even Coda Mm -hmm. is not performing well. You don't have a good fan turnout. It's just not what it could be. Why not replace it with a street course somewhere? Because you're going to have a good turnout. All right. The product isn't going to be any worse than the one that you're leaving. Because I'll, I'll give the answer. Money. It costs whatever it costs. Believe whatever you want from the... Let's just say if it was $25 million or $50 million, whatever it was total, to put that race on between building the racetrack, the promotion of it, whatever. Or if you're a track owner, such as NASCAR or SMI, you've got a track already built, and all you do is just show up and race. But is, is it worth that... 20 some million or whatever million to just move it to somewhere else. Maybe if trying to grow the sport. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I get it. Um, but at some point the juice won't be worth the squeeze. I don't know when that point will be. I think that Steve O'Donnell made it very apparent in post race when he's like we can take this anywhere and i think he even said internationally yeah so he, he's just laying it down right there that that's what we're doing we're going to take this and we're going to go somewhere bit you know international and and go race i listen i'm I, if it grows a sport i'm i'm in for it you know we need the teams need growth i can tell you that for sure yeah i'm just um, saying you if you you're, you're going to coda right now and austin's a great city it's a great place. But the fan turnout's not spectacular. The racing's been okay over the last handful of years. I understand it costs money, but if you're trying to grow the sport, you don't own that track either. So why not take that date? Because what they what 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 Marcus Smith spends to rent out Coda for the weekend is far less than what they spent building building Chicago. Far less. I mean, we don't even know what money got passed under here to go to there. I know that a lot of, you know, it was documented that NASCAR spent a lot of money helping the city with some of its initiatives. That's all great. Like, that's that's good stuff. But, again, it's cost, cost, costing, costing. Does this, I'm just curious, does the city's enthusiasm for having an event like this play a part in the cost? Because we saw all these articles come out before this race that Chicago didn't want it, right? Or, or I tell you, I, how can you not it? want all those people that were walking around? That's what I'm saying. You know, so let's pretend you have like San Diego or something that saw this event. They're like, we want to bring NASCAR here. Let's let's figure out how to make this work. Yes. Now you're talking. Now you're getting into a bidding. That's that's the goal. That is the goal. The ultimate goal, right there, is that you create. Hopefully, I mean, had the weather cooperated with us, the economic impact for Chicago would have been and hopefully still is good, but it would have been huge. And then they're able to take that information and say to these other cities, Hey, here's what we can bring. Do you want us? You cover the cost and we'll come. That's, that's how this should work. And that's hopefully where it goes in the future. But again, let's, let's not get, caught up too much and then doing too you can't just keep feeding what people want and giving them more and more and more and more because then it just kind of it diminishes it i agree it's, it was special because it was the first uh the second it won't be as it's just it just diminishes it's just natural 
That's natural human thing. I agree. How I'm just wasting time with the yeah. Roval and these other random robots. Okay. You want another one? I got one more. I got one uh, more. Last one, quick. Okay. Um, I got two here, so let's pick. Uh, uh, what does Shane Van Gisbergen? <laughs> Good job. When uh, do for bringing more outside drivers into NASCAR, and do you think he will find uh, a ride in years to come, whether that be Cup or Xfinity? Uh, I mean, could he find a ride? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, he definitely could find a ride. But again, what his specialty was this weekend, yeah. you know, he would be one of the favorites for four to five races. One of the favorites, not the, but one of the favorites for four to five out of the 36 races that we run. You know what I mean? So um, it's a good strategy if you want to have him run full time and then maybe get you a win, get you in the playoffs. It could work that way. But again, coming over in oval racing would be such a huge task. Um, to being competitive. It's, it's just so hard because everyone's so good because it's what we've done for forever. Most of the drivers all grew up doing ovals, and so it's very difficult to... Um, I mean, we've seen some of the best drivers that we've seen, you know, IndyCar, Formula One, come over and just really struggle on ovals. Um, it's harder than it looks. I think it does give confidence, though, to other drivers that they, you know, Maybe it's the dirt drivers like, hey, I can go and be competitive in, in something of my specialty. Uh, but is it realistic? Probably not Not as much as, as what you might think. I think he was just exceptional. <laughs> He's an exceptional talent that I still can't hardly wrap my head around. Shifting with the opposite hand. I mean... Have you ever tried to brush your teeth with the opposite hand? Can't do anything. They say you're supposed hand. to do that, by the way. At least, who says that? Who's they? A dentist, probably, because they want more money for capital. No, it's for your brain. You... Am I the only one that does this? You purposely brush your teeth with Once the a week hand? with the left hand. Yeah. Why? It it's, teaches function. For what? It I'm not tricks using my hand for anything else. It's not. It's stimulating the other side of your, side of your brain. Can you do that? <laughs> it does. I, the first thing I, I pull up is since you're using the opposite hand, you're using the opposite side of your brain, which can help strengthen that side. Bam. I mean, you could cut an apple with your left hand. Why does that have to be brushing your teeth? Because the motion, dude. You're not used to it. This way, this way. I, I guess. I'll, I mean, I'll try it later. I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. Once a week, try to... You can do it. Brush with the opposite hand. It'll stimulate. You're one of those granolas. You know this. <laughs> I never heard that. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. I got a meeting to go to. Thank you all for tuning in. Give us a follow. Give us a like at Dirty Mo Media. Uh, I am Denny Hamlin. He is Jared D. Allen. We will see you all next week. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.